Hello and welcome to the Blind Spot Podcast, where you see our reactions to classic films and where we decide if they're worth the hype. My name is Benjamin Weeb, and with me is my guest, Tyler Strandberg. Please introduce yourself. Hi. Yeah, well, you got the name. I am Tyler Strandberg. Um, yeah, I am a freelance um, kind of hobbyist film reviewer, enthusiast. Um, I write for In Session Film, which is how we know each other. Um, and I also recently started writing for Cinefied. Not recently. I started writing for them like six months ago. <laughs> but yeah. Enough. I, yeah. Um, you also got me writing for that website as well. So uh, love watching movies and love writing about them. And um, this, as your name suggests, was a big blind spot for me. <laughs> yeah. So today uh, we had the privilege to watch The Silence of the Lambs. And we're going to talk about it later in the show. But before we go to there... We're going to actually talk about what we've been we watching recently. My name is Benjamin Weeb. I'm the host. I also write for In Session Film, Cinefied. I do interviews with Awards Radar. And I host this behemoth of a project. So we'll see how things go. But yeah, uh, we're going to talk about what we've been watching. Uh, Tyler, what's what's been on your radar this past week? Um, so I'm going to be honest. I haven't been watching that many movies lately. Um. I am in Yikes. my flop era right now, so I've been rewatching Glee. I mean, um, can I blame you? Which is at really all? embarrassing to admit. Um, to compensate for it, um, I have watched about two seasons of Breaking Bad um, just this week alone. Um, that's another one of my blind spots. I've never seen that series before, so okay. I'm really enjoying. So you're that. talking about two different things that I also haven't seen. Glee, okay. for obvious reasons. <laughs> I may be a choir kid, but I'm not down that bad yet. Oh, um, no. Mm -hmm. And Breaking Bad, because every time I'm like, maybe I'll watch this, I start watching and I'm like, is this really as good as people say it is? Like, Oh, see, that know, first episode, I, just, I was hooked. The first episode's pretty solid, but like the second episode was like, eh, and I'm like, it just feels very long form, kind of... A bordering on cringe comedy, which I already struggle with. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like tell me, tell me how how hooked are you in Breaking Bad? You saw two seasons in one week. Oh god, it's like um, I just for some reason every time I watch an episode and then it ends and I can't stop. I just I feel like I need to see the next one. It's that classic cliche like cliffhanger ending kind of an episode of like oh tune in next week and it gets me every time but i think it's it's so good especially the characterization of the two main characters jesse um, and walter white yep uh it just they're very fun and their relationship with each other is really really well done i just cannot get like i can't get enough of it i'm i had to tell myself like i had to turn it off tonight so that i could do this um but it's well, it's really good. Is... I did recently see The Woman King. Um, Very good yesterday, film. which I think you also saw. I did. This is one thing we have common ground. I watched The Woman King to review for In Session, while you watched it to review for Cinefied. I and... I love that. I love that about us. <laughs> it's like you're on the casual site right now reviewing this, and I'm like, all right, I got a review for like Ryan and for David, and I'm a little scared. I'm like, oh yeah. Phew. Oh yeah, Ryan and David scare me a little bit. <laughs> I love them. Don't get me wrong. Like Ryan. Oh yeah, no, great people. guy. Yeah. But but holy smokes, I'm like great. Now I gotta talk about something. And for context, we are the whitest people in the world. 
It's mm-hmm. like this is yeah. this is definitely one of those reviews where I'm like, all right. So anyway, The Woman King's a really good movie. I can't speak to its accuracy in its depiction of the history or in its depiction of the culture, but what I can say is I love both of those as they're depicted in the mm-hmm. film. So oh, what yeah. stood out to you it was... about The Woman King? I really loved like the inherent like black culture in the film. Um, one of the things I really noticed too, especially throughout most of the fight sequences was we could tell that they were fighting and there was like stabbing and stuff going on and you know, all of that, but we didn't really see that much, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. it didn't take away from the action sequences at all. And I felt like it did a really great job of like not glorifying violence against black people even though it is, like, two black African, like, tribes fighting each other, I think it does a really great job of, like, bringing that into a modern 21st society as well. Yeah, I think the phrase I'm going to be using for in session film is maximum impact filmmaking. It takes almost the Michael Bay approach of you don't need to see all of the fight. You barely know the geography in some of these sequences, but you feel Mm -hmm. it every time there's a sword slash there's a gunshot, there's a stab, mm. there's a jump, and it just hits you in a way that just nothing else does. No, one other thing does. All right, and that's our beloved mm-hmm. series, John Wick. Um, yeah. Which I also love. But I'm like, The Woman King does this so consistently that I was floored. Like, the first action scene mm-hmm. was very Black Panther to me in that I'm like, I feel disoriented, and I don't know if I like this yet. Mm-hmm. But I'm, like, getting the vibe, and, you know, this is, I'm feeling it out, I'm feeling it out. And then the yeah. second action sequence, which is a much bigger deal, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Whoa. Huge. And my mind yeah, was, I was blown. I was obsessed with it. It was it was really good. Um, can't just, wait to talk so more fun. about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can we can keep talking about it right now, like, as, as long as we want. But, yeah, it's so good. Like... <laughs> I I can't stress enough. Like people are like talking about Viola Davis, and I'm like, yeah, you know, Viola Davis is always good. Mm-hmm. All right, that's a little mean. She's a powerhouse performer and everything. Right. And she's right, usually right. like one of the top three reasons any movie with her in it is good. And even mm-hmm. if the movie's bad, she's the best part. But I'm like, mm-hmm. Lasana Lynch is in this. Yes, she was. Scenes. She is currently in my um, personal supporting actress lineup. She was whoa. That's big. I mean, I don't have that many actresses in my personal lineup right now, um, but yeah, she's she killed it. Like, I mean, no pun intended, but she was amazing in that film. Yeah, like even uh, Thuso Medu Medu. I don't know how to say. Yeah, it, and I recognized her from. Um, yeah, I recognized her from the Underground Railroad. Oh, she's in that as well. See, yeah, I haven't she was seen the main her character in ever. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah, super good in this as well as Naoi. Like, mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's such a just... strong like. I would say her and Viola are definitely like the two leads of the movie. Um, I think it kind of shapes the story around um, her character, um, but Viola Davis is like just as much of a strong enough present in the film that she's also like a co-lead of the film. I, I really, really like it. I think the way I just, I would describe it is this is the inverted Top Gun Maverick. Yes. Wherein we have another generational story, but instead of it being about Tom Cruise 
mm-hmm. and uh, Captain Mitchell. This is about Brewster, right? Uh, or Rooster, and with mm-hmm. Nowie's character and Viola Davis taking the yeah. back seat, and yet they both yeah. have so much screen presence. Where even though like they have different amount of screen time given to them, it's so good. John Boyega mm-hmm. is in this, and I didn't even I, like I recognize him, but I'm like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, like people are tweeting about it. I'm like John Boyega. Yeah, I'm it's like, so different. John from... Boyega. Yeah. Yes, please. I mean, it's so different from like his well his best known role, Star Wars. You know, it's. I mean, he's incredible in this. It is. Blew me away. <laughs> really great movie. Really, really great movie. Yeah. Would highly recommend that people go see it, especially in a yeah. theater. It makes such a huge difference. I mean, I saw it in Dolby because it was in our Dolby theater. And just. You motherfucker. I'm <laughs> fucking so jealous right now. Oh, I love the Dolby theater. I saw Dune in Dolby last year. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I want to see it in IMAX too, just to see how it compares. And I gotta say, I do like that Dolby theater a lot better than I like the IMAX theater. So, uh, hot, hot thing. I live in a place without an IMAX theater or a Dolby theater. There's none. Zero. And I'm like, great. So every time I'm like, I want to watch The Woman King. Gotta watch it in Mm -hmm. standard. Which is Mm -hmm. fine. But I miss my HDR. Mm -hmm. I miss my big sound. Mm -hmm. But whatever. I mean, there is definitely perks to uh digital you know standard theaters um when i went to go see the batman not i was 3D. really overwhelmed by how much sound there was going on oh i can't imagine watching the batman like an imax like i saw it in oh it was 2D a lot i was like it this was is very a little good. bit overwhelming and you know this is also the benefit you know i'm not watching tenant in imax like right right love tenant don't get i'm watching don't that on my I'm apple watch oh man the way christopher had... nolan intended of course i'm like <laughs> like imax theater presentation i saw it once and i was like this is really good but it's very loud and the sound mix issues stand out or at least issues i'll air quotes mm-hmm. that because i don't really think they're all that much present i have my own things feelings about it but yeah. what people commonly call the issues stick out yeah definitely but i'm like that and then i watched something like top gun in imax and i'm like top gun was made for the big sound oh like, definitely I to be overwhelmed talking. is the feeling. Yeah. Um, Ford v Ferrari mm-hmm. is a stellar IMAX and Dolby presentation. I'm mm-hmm. like, there are movies like that that I will not get to experience here in Lethbridge. And I'm like, The Woman King feels like it would have been one of those movies. Like, mm-hmm. if you're listening to this podcast right now, right? And you're like, I might watch The Woman King. I'm thinking about it. Stop what you you're doing. You should go see The Woman right? King. Book a ticket. Find the theater closest to you playing it. In a showtime that's about two hours from now, unless you're watching this at midnight, in which case, book it for the next day. All right? The Queen's death is declared a national holiday in Canada. What are you doing? Get out there and watch The Woman King. All right? Okay, Celebrate the Queen's death Canada the way it's intended. Well? Yeah! It's insane! Really? It's stupid. Yeah. I love it. Okay. It's very funny. Yeah. But yeah, celebrate her death the way it was intended. By watching a movie about overthrowing colonizers. Yes, that is what, that is how you should celebrate the monarchy, in all honesty. I I can't, I can't stress it enough. Please, go, watch it. Um, It's extremely good. Go see The Woman King. Yeah. All right. Uh, We'll get to a little bit more of what I've seen, aside from just The Woman King. I watched Pearl this week. Yeah, how was that? Pearl is interesting. I have not seen X, so I'm going to put that right now. I feel like I'm missing half of this story, Mm -hmm. because apparently it's a prequel to X, which I Mm -hmm. did not know. 
Pearl is a film that stands on its own legs in its filmmaking, but its story leaves a lot for me to really feel desired. I feel like I don't get it. And I went into it sharp. Like, I was like, I've been up for a fair amount of the day. I'm going into a horror film in a theater, meaning I'm already on edge. Like most horror films, I'm like, if I get a little too tilted, I can just pause it and leave because I got screeners all the time for this stuff because mm-hmm. I always request them. I, I'm weird like that. Um, but I was like, okay, I'm watching Pearl. I need to get what I can out of it. I'm going to be, I have no idea what the 18A content warnings mm-hmm. for, which in Canada is like as high as it goes. Like there's no NC-17. It's just 18A or mm-hmm. R, but R films typically get 18A, but sometimes not. It's weird. But I'm like, all right, I don't know. Typically that's either suicidal or extreme violence or sex and nudity. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, sometimes you get stuff like Deadpool, which gets a 14A, but like the more like, um genitals that are displayed it's like automatically 18a mm-hmm. so i'm like i have no idea what i'm walking into uh, or it can be extreme violence sorry let me also put that out there like kill bill is an 18a and so is like um django unchained and hateful eight mm-hmm. like if it has extreme violence it will be an 18a but i'm like it's it's one or the other but maybe a little mix of both i don't know i'm not sure what to expect right the moment it starts it's a golden age hollywood love letter it opens in like uh, farmland, rural America. And it's like, oh, okay, it's one of these movies. And the way it's filmed, the way the credits open with the sprawling text and the specific font screams love letter to the like cinema. Mm-hmm. And that care is put through everything. T. West has directed a film, and this is probably the second one, because if everything I've heard about X is true... The direction here is really good. Mia Goth, really good. Highly recommend for that. But its story almost feels like I'm missing something. I haven't seen X. But I'm like, a good prequel should be able to stand relatively on its own. right? Its story can have a little bit of holes, but I should be able to get an entire idea out of this. And here, mm-hmm. the idea feels a little muffled. Yeah, I agree. But still very good. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to turn that down like i highly recommend also like apparently it's like opening up not as strong in the box office and people might not know that it's tied into x which x did quite well Mm -hmm. so if you've seen x and you liked it go watch pearl it's just as well crafted i just don't know its story as well as i should i am not a big horror fan so i need to like what no it's scary and yet you i got you on for silence of the lambs okay i feel like silence of the lambs is more like thriller than it is horror it definitely has horror elements um there's one scene i would say there's like two scenes in particular that are like very horror-esque um but i think i think it's more thriller than it is horror is that so well you know what i think that's a good segue into this conversation about the silence of the lambs you chose this movie Mm -hmm. tell me what is your relationship to this film did you see it before what have you heard about it i want to know everything into why you picked this film let me let me deconstruct your psychology let me write a profile about this oh my god okay let me psychoanalyze you um (laughs) yeah so i um as I said, I've recently, like, gotten into movies and stuff like that. Within pa- pro- 2019 was when I really, really got into them. Um, like, listening to podcasts and reading all the things and keeping up on all of it. And so I've been trying to fill in, like, a lot of my blind spots. And, you know, of those blind spots is a lot of these, like, greatest films ever made sort of thing. 
and um, Silence of the Lambs is in there, and it's great because it doubles as that, like, I can check off a Best Picture winner, I can check off a every single other winner that it won. Um, (laughs) I can also check off, like... It won the Big Five. Yeah, um, which it's one of, like, I think three or four films to win, like, what they call the Big Five, which is Oscar, Picture, Actor, Actress, and Screenplay. Um, It's one of the very few films to do that. So, again, like, just one of these, this huge, monumentous film. And a little bit controversial, but I was not a really big fan of Anthony Hopkins and the father. Um, So... I guess I wanted to see, like, what this was compared to, you know? Like, what did his win in The Father compared to his win in 1991? And I think Anthony Hopkins is a great actor. Um, I My first exposure to him was in Westworld, um, and he was phenomenal in that first season. Um, but I've seen much more of his work ever since then. And he's he always kills it. He's always great. I mean, he was also great in The Father, don't get me wrong. I just don't think it was... He's just not Best Actor. I, I did not think he deserved Best Actor. Um, I also don't think he's one of the best Best Actor winners ever for that role. For this role, I do think that. This blew me away. Um, I can easily see how it gets that... Um, title of one of the greatest films ever made um i think that this was really really good it did a lot for me it didn't um quite do everything for me i guess but it was pretty amazing really it really really impressed me and i would say it met my expectations i mean for me like what i've been hearing about this for years now let me paint a picture for you I grew up in a Christian conservative Albertan home, which is basically the equivalent of Texas in the U.S., but, like, a little less extreme. Mm -hmm. But not by much, all right? And a family that's, like, you know, you can watch movies, but there's movies you can't see. Mm -hmm. EX, Harry Potter, because witchcraft and wizardry, which is ironic for a million different reasons, Mm -hmm. including but not limited to... J.K. Rowling is a Christian. She shares many of the same beliefs my parents do. The good <laughs> and the bad ones. We, as seen we love in the that. last we three years. We love that. It's so good. Um, Harry Potter is, like, once you get to book, like, six, seven, it's Christ imagery galore. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can't not see that once you realize it. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, whatever, fine. But witchcraft in the most general sense, EX, Latin words, um, and, you know, culture wars from back in the 2000s. Because mm-hmm. they've always been around, just in different circles. So I couldn't see Harry Potter. I couldn't see Lord of the Rings for a very different reason. Mm-hmm. The magic in that, whatever, who cares? It's light. It's 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 C.S. Lewis. like, Or not C.S. Lewis, it's Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Christian author, mm-hmm. but like much more well-known Christian author. You'd think it would be fine. Just kidding. My mom is scared of Shelob and Gollum. I don't blame her. I'm scared of spiders too. So she got so horrified of them in the second film when like all of that, like in the second and third films, right? She can't watch them without getting nightmares. So it's less that Mm -hmm. I was banned from watching it and more of I didn't get raised on them. We have the VHS Mm -hmm. for the two towers at home Mm -hmm. in the drawer of the movies my dad has. 
but we couldn't watch them as kids because it would scare mom. And if we're all watching it, we're probably watching it as a family, mm -hmm. which is hilarious. So in my early formative years, when I was like branching out my tastes and stuff, and I started reading Percy Jackson. And of course, that immediately leads you to Harry Potter, right? Very similar mythological young kid, uh, summer camp versus school thing. Mm -hmm. Um, my mom was like, fine, you can watch the movies, but you have to watch them in the basement when I'm not around. Same thing went for Lord of the Rings. And by the way, the Lord of the Rings films are phenomenal. Oh, and amazing. I and like, that was like really easy to see at the time. The Harry Potter films are also really good. Mm -hmm. Hot take. They're really good films made better as the directors got to shape the stories more themselves mm -hmm. as they figured out what they were doing and the performances are great. Um, but like all very good, but couldn't watch those superhero movies. I got into late. I got into them when like age of Ultron was coming out. I didn't even get into it for Avengers. Oh, like, I, I missed um, so many boats. My first MCU movie in a theater was black widow. Okay. There's so many wrong with that, but at the same time, at least you got the greatest prologue in an MCU movie I, period. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I did not see all of the sequence. MCU movies until uh, December 2021. My goal was to watch all of them before Spider-Man came out, and I made that goal. So Well done. Yeah, thank that's you. A, that's a big goal. I'm surprised you still wanted to watch Spider-Man after doing all of that. Got him! <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, but yeah, couldn't watch any of that. And so you'd think, well, maybe like Ben would be allowed to watch horror. Just kidding. Of course you're not thinking that. Horror was like the devil's stuff if you're talking about <laughs> horror it's because there's extreme amounts of sex it's uh gratuitously violent the devil's in it all of mm -hmm. that my mom so, was the same way course, actually she wouldn't let us watch horror because she would always say there's so much evil in the world already why do we need to bring more evil into the world by making fiction about it and then consuming it for enjoyment we don't that's not something that should be enjoyed exact same thing and honestly so like kind of stand by that no i'm kidding i just i don't watch horror movies because they're scary <laughs> i mean fair but like it's taken like three years of me living on my own to actually get to a point where i'm like maybe i should start watching some horror like mm -hmm. uh i still have to see us and get out like i have huge holes in all oh, of the i just watched get but, out like, probably last month and that was pretty fucking amazing um it's but hereditary I have, I have the blu-ray scared the shit out of me like i had nightmares about that for weeks yeah so you can clearly see a picture being painted if the villain is scary my mom probably wouldn't watch it and thus probably wouldn't allow the kids to watch it mm -hmm. now if you've heard of silence of the lambs you've heard of anthony hopkins uh dr hannibal lecter who's mm -hmm. a cannibal and you've heard of his performance EX, I haven't seen this movie, and everything I've heard about it is, like, it's pretty scary, and a little bit, like, you know, psychologically uh, daunting. And I was like, hmm, mm -hmm. all right, cool, maybe I'll check it out sometime. Mm -hmm. um, and then you suggested it, and I was like, well, I guess time to bite the bullet. Let's see if this really is my stick. And let me let me come right out to you right now. I love release procedural things mm -hmm. like TV shows. It's my favorite genre. Yes, technically 90% of them are copaganda and true. But there's something mm -hmm. really good about a mystery that gets solved in a satisfying way that paint, pick, picks a bunch of abstract pieces and 
ticks them together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, maybe, maybe that's why I really like them. And then I realized like half of my exposure to like TV back, like as a, like a kid was two stuff like flashpoint blue bloods person of interest. And I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. it's all police procedurals just with varying amounts of police involvement tight. I love it so much. And so when I watch this and I'm like, it's a police procedural with the FBI. Oh, serial killers. Heads up. I love David Fincher as a director. Mm-hmm. Zodiac's really good. Yeah, Seven's this, really good. This my, gave my me mom very Fincher vibes. Episode. Yeah, you know, person who's only seen David Fincher movies. This has some very big uh, Fincher <laughs> oh, vibes. Shut here. up. Shut up. Well, like, person who's uh, only no, seen no, one like, movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, yeah. I was like, man, police procedural, 100% my thing. Like, mm-hmm. I am still reeling from it. I came in slightly a little bit tired and I had to take like a break in the middle because I'm a horrible person. You have the Blu-ray and I was like, I'm falling asleep. Mm -hmm. Not because I'm actually like bored of this, but just because my brain is like half tired. I'm like not Mm -hmm. observing things. Took a 15 minute nap, made myself some food, which was very good. It was a nice little pizza leftovers from a few nights ago and then turned on the movie again and had me hooked. Mm hmm. Like I wanna, I wanna ask you what, what stood out to you? Like beyond Anthony Hopkins, and we'll we'll get we'll do a little more analysis here. What sure makes this one of the greatest movies to you? I think there's so much psychological deep dive that you can go to into in this, um, especially dissecting like how Hannibal Lecter's like behaviors help uh, Jodie Foster's character Clarice. Um, make the connections to this new serial killer and um, how they can find him based off that. I like the give and take between Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins and especially how like she has to reveal more parts of herself to um, kind of get the information that she wants, Um, which I think really has a lot to say too about her status in the movie as well, I mean, she's not even an official FBI agent. She's a student at the time. Um, and even, like, her role as a woman and how she's not taken seriously because of those things, um, I thought was a really great, like, little kind of side piece, I guess, that would really exemplified the film. Um, yeah, I, I just thought that for the... M- most part i feel like that's kind of shady for the most part the acting was pretty stellar um my my grievance is what wasn't good jodie foster's accent i <laughs> okay that's, that's i hated that not accent. to say that's invalid i hated that accent it was so dumb um i don't think she actually talks like that either i have no idea okay like, I, I i don't i, I don't haven't think seen she a lot does of stuff with jodie foster in it it took me out okay, of it. Okay, well, like, if the she does time. actually talk like that, then I'm so sorry. Like, uh, that that's mean of me. But <laughs> that accent right, really bugged gonna, me. We got him caught in 4K, boys. <laughs> or I guess more accurately, 720p. We got him caught. We're gonna, um, we're gonna Google this up in the meantime. But yeah, and let's, let's, um, take, a, let's take a moment. I said that there was a lot about it that really worked for me. I would agree with you. I also really love a procedural film. Um, I think one of my favorite genres is thriller. I really love kind of like a mystery thriller film. Um, Gone Girl is one of my favorite movies. I really, really liked Promising Young Woman. Um, There's a movie, another Anthony Hopkins movie, actually. 
What? Saying you liked Promising Young Woman on the internet? Oh, I loved Promising Young Woman. Um, There's another Anthony Hopkins from 2007. It's called Fracture. And I think that has Ryan Gosling in it as well. I love that one. Um, Nightcrawler is another good thriller that I really, really loved. Um, So I really like this thriller genre. And the fact that, like, you add, like, the serial killers into it and, like, the psychological aspect, it really just had me kind of on the edge of my seat. Like, what's going to happen next? Um, What's going on with this? And you see, like, the killer making his next moves as these are happening. And it really kind of keeps you on edge about, like, is he going to get caught in time? Or, like, what happens, you know? And, I mean... It's a movie, so I think you can go into it knowing the um, killer is going to get caught. But I don't know about that, Chief. <laughs> is this a spoiler podcast or a non-spoiler podcast? Oh, we're going full spoilers. Okay, like, cool. Uh, yeah, so... Welcome, welcome to the blind spot. This is your warning right now. When This is definitely going to talk spoilers. We're already blind. If you haven't seen this, please do yourself a solid and watch it before you proceed any further. We've probably already spoiled something by accident. Then come back to us. (laughs) So when the killer kidnaps the senator's daughter, Catherine, um, I think that's a really good example of, like, you obviously know that the killer is going to get caught, but you don't know if it's going to be in time to save this girl, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think for parts of the film, you don't know if it's going to be in time where, like, is he going to kidnap someone else? And... Um, are you going to see that? It's just, it's really interesting. Um, and it's fun to try to figure out as you go along with it. And I think a lot of the symbols used in this movie are beautiful. I was, I was so confused for such a long time about like the silence of the lambs. What the fuck does that mean? What does that mean with this movie? Why is there a butterfly? Yeah, and then the butterfly on the cover. I was like, what does that have anything to do with it? And both of them are just such great motifs used in this film. Um, I don't know if they ever said it in the film, but the moth that's in uh, the girl's throat when they catch it, it's called a death's head moth. So it's... Even oh god, yeah, god, really good, really well done. Um, I feel like I'm talking in circles now. What did you like about this? Oh man, okay. So again, breaking off of you, I'm gonna make one quick amendum. You don't know what can happen in a '90s classic movie. I'm just gonna make this statement right now. I saw Basic Instinct this past okay. week. That movie's horny as hell. You think I love it's, a good it's horny a thriller, movie. police procedural. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know if it's like it, it's very horny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Douglas, man, world's thirstiest dude. And I think mm-hmm. he makes the wrong decision at the end about who's the hotter woman he could have a relationship with, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but literally, that film ends with the killer being revealed to be the person Michael W. Uh, Michael Douglas's character is trying to be with for the rest of time. Wow, okay. It, go- it spits in the complete head of what a film should be doing in a police procedural, and it makes a really good character study. Mm-hmm. that i don't know if it's perfect but holy smokes is that a lot to think about mm-hmm. so after watching that after watching pearl two films that i would consider slightly anticlimactic mm-hmm. um 
Anyways, I did not know where this film was entirely going with its killer, especially considering there's two killers on the loose. Mm -hmm. And it gets to have its cake and eat it too Mm -hmm. through this setup. Um, I think what really stands out to me is two big moments in the film. The first moment is um, after the initial meetings between Clarice and Dr. Hannibal. And they kind of talk at each other and try to identify who the other is. You have these really nice sequences where you can clearly see um, uh, Anthony Hopkins' character uh, just sizing up Jodie Foster Mm -hmm. and seeing, like, what type of threat does she pose? What is she trying to do? Mm -hmm. Right? Where he's asking her conversational questions, and then she tries to bring in a psychological profile survey. And he's like, whoa, you messed up. Mm -hmm. I'm already onto you. Right? And you have this where he feels like he's a chess villain. Mm Mm-hmm. And I liked that, but it's not something I haven't seen done before. And I don't know if this was the first film to really uh, go for that, like, police needs help from criminal. It might be. It might not be. I don't have enough information there. But it's done really well. And I was like, okay, I've seen this before, though. Let's keep going. And then when the doctor in the ward comes down and he reveals and he wants information so he can get the credit. And he leaves this pen on the towel mm-hmm. i was like oh shit because mm-hmm. they'd already alluded to the power hannibal has when he has a pen mm-hmm. no sharp objects come into it and immediately i'm like oh no this is really big mm-hmm. and then a few sequences later he's imprisoned and he spits out the pen cap mm-hmm. and i was like oh shit it's going down yeah that was a turn and i did that not sequence that sequence when he breaks out of the prison and the way he strings up the one guy to basically be like a moth. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy smokes, this is like, it makes me think a lot of questions. Like, d- what does he know? How did he know about the moths just beyond like his first patient having this? Mm-hmm. Did he start doing this? Is this a copycat case? I don't know. And I don't really like where you're going, but I love it. But also, this is getting a little like, mm. I'm going to throw up here because insect uh, insect horror might be where I might draw the line. And I'm like, this is horrifying and I love it. Good work. That scene is so well done, especially with how it starts with the piano music. And you don't really know what Hannibal is doing. He might be playing the piano. He's listening to a piano disc. He's been drawing with a pen. There's so much going on in that scene that I was like, this is a really well-directed scene mm-hmm. a well-acted scene a well-written scene and it had me hooked coincidentally that was about like 10 minutes in after i'd had my break mm-hmm. after i'd had food and i was like this is amazing the way he asked for lamb chops and it gets covered in blood i was like mm-hmm. just symbolism galore yeah. i was like this is really good i love it well i really fast forward to the third act and the other spot that really got me is the entire third act Mm -hmm. when you realize like the cross cutting here is really good it's like they're knocking on a door while jodie foster's knocking on a door and you hear the ding bell and at first i was like no they're not they're wrong at the the wrong house obviously Mm -hmm. and then you see the doorbell work and i was like oh never mind oh shit they are at the right place and then he answers the door and it's jodie foster and i was like yeah ah panic filling my body as i'm like they're at the wrong place she's at the right place and she doesn't know it yet oh man Mm -hmm. you had me you you i figured it out you convinced me i didn't figure it Mm -hmm. out 
And then you revealed that I had it known the entire time. Mm -hmm. And that third act, once she's like going through the house with how it's shot, it's like he could be around any corner. The the lighting is so harsh. Mm -hmm. And then you have the butterflies and they fly around and it's, or the moths. And it's like, oh no. Oh no. Like the dread for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then the lights go out and you're like, oh no, something bad's happening. And then the night vision goggles, and you're like, oh no, he had those. We saw it at the start. Mm -hmm. Jody, no. And then she's constantly turning around, and it's like, just, like, I mean, I love a good third Mm -hmm. act. It's why I like uh, Hobbs and Shaw. It's a bad movie, but the third act's really good. Mm -hmm. That's why I like Predator. It's a great movie, and the third act's the best part. That's Mm -hmm. why I love Prey, an amazing movie, and the third act's the best part. This third act had me sweating buckets. Mm-hmm. I was scared. And I'm like, I think it just shows the stellarness on the page from the dialogue and then the direction from how these sequences are blocked and acted. Mm-hmm. And it stunned me. Yeah, I, I, those two instances that you brought up, those are the two that I think of immediately when I thought, like, it got really into the horror, like, genre. Um, I really liked the end, how he has these night vision goggles. Um, there's this huge idea surrounding hubris, right? And that that's eventually what leads to everyone's downfall. And the idea that this man was, a Buffalo Bill, was in the dark with these night vision goggles... And a majority of the time, he was just stalking her, you know? Like, he was just taking enjoyment and thrill out of, like, her panic and fear. And he could have easily, like, quote-unquote, gotten away with it and, like, saved himself and gotten away if he had just killed her as soon as he turned the lights off. But he enjoyed the process of stalking her and wanting to kill her. And that's what, like, led her to get the upper hand over him. Um, was she Yeah, was, it's that idea of seeing. Yeah, she was able to use, like, her senses and her surroundings to get, get him, basically. Um, I also really liked how, in the scene where Anthony Hopkins escapes with the pen cap, I, I noticed that at first as well. And I think it's really, really interesting that when this prison guard, because it's the prison guard that he really really hates right um he goes down there uh the pro- the whole process is like Jodie Foster offers him like a fake plea deal basically like a fake um exchange i guess um yeah uh, you help us we help you right, we let you right. get and so this guard goes down Some, there a better transfer yeah and this guard goes down there and says like there was never any deal she lied to you you know And the only reason he's doing that was because he was disgustingly hitting on her at the beginning of the movie and she rebuffed him. And so it was kind of like a, he was doing this like as a way to get back at her, you know, he was doing it in a sense of like, oh, well, you don't know what you're doing. Like, I'm going to get, like, I'm going to be the one to do this. And it's what led for Hannibal Lecter to eventually escape. And I thought that was so amazingly crafted and so amazingly like well done and like the seeds were all planted and it was just like 
never really overt or like in your face and it was all just kind of there you know by the time he eventually escapes and he has the pen cap in his mouth like you've almost forgotten about it at that point you know it's and then he does yeah. all of this and it's oh so so well done I mean, his escape sequence, like breaking down a few extra added things. I love when he arrives at the airport mm -hmm. and the doctor, whose name I'm going to end up pulling up because we refer to him so much. But he like goes to reach for his pen and he doesn't have mm -hmm. it. And the one yep. uh, airport guy is like, oh, here, you can use yep. mine, whatever. And it's a reminder. And it's like it such a solid reminder because otherwise it might feel out of the blue. Like, how did he have that mm -hmm. pen? But it's like, ah, remember that he has the pen. Yeah. Um, and then as he escapes, like, the way that the two bodies are there at the start, and you're like, holy smokes, Hannibal Lecter, like, beat the guy up, and then he dragged his body out? Oh my gosh, what a guy! Like, I can't believe he'd do that. Mm -hmm. And then they're in the elevator, and there's the bleed, mm -hmm. the blood dripping from the ceiling, and I'm like, oh no. I'm immediately thinking, like, something's gone wrong. Like, what's happening? Mm -hmm. And the sequence is they pull the body out, and then, like cross cut with Hannibal Lecter revealing to have stolen the face mm -hmm. I am amazed at what this film pulls off with being a captivating horrifying thriller that does not show mm -hmm. violence see or at least does not show the extreme yeah. of it see that was one of those moments where it was kind of like you had in the finale where it was like you think you know it and then you don't but then, like, it turns out you knew it the entire time. As soon as I saw him laying on the floor, I was like, that's him. That's Hannibal Lecter. Um, and then they're like, oh, no, it's the doctor. His face is disfigured. And they're like, he's still alive. And I was like, what? What the fuck? And then you see Hannibal Lecter is on top of the elevator. And I was like, what's his plan here? What's going on? I was so confused. And then it reveals that it's actually the dead body of the guard and he switched clothes and it was Hannibal Lecter. And I was like, ah, see, I knew it the whole time. But it, it did such a good job of tricking me into thinking that I didn't know what was going on. And it really kept things tense for me and like on the edge of my seat. And it made that whole escape sequence so exciting. Yeah. Like, I think... At the end of the day, what makes this so good is that it's exciting without being overly mm -hmm. violent, without being overly horrifying. Mm -hmm. It just sets an atmosphere, a tone, a mood, all of that so beautifully and gets good performances mm -hmm. and solid editing. Like even the opening credits is like, is Jodie Foster being chased? Yeah, like, no, what's I was happening? thinking like, that too. The way it's cut is increasing in rhythm. It's like... Basic cutting techniques, if you've ever, like, studied film, mm -hmm. you'd recognize, like, that immediately. And if you haven't, subconsciously you're thinking something's wrong. Your heartbeat's starting to elevate. Howard Shore's score for mm -hmm. this film is insane. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, this is the guy who did Lord of the Rings to bring that film yep. up again. Yep. And it's like, oh, yeah, he did Lord of the Rings. Like, what an upbeat little film that is, you know, mm -hmm. with the, uh, like, welcoming hobbits. Oh, shucks, I'm going to get assassinated on the internet for not remembering that one mm -hmm. um but it's like you have that and then you have a very similar string woodwind orchestra sound that is very distinctly howard shore but used completely differently where the entire soundscape here is just mood mm -hmm. and it's like hi welcome we're gonna edit this together so that you can't tell when the diegetic sound starts and when it ends 
Like Jodie Foster is going to have these visions back to mm -hmm. the past. And it's like, you might not realize it's happening until you realize it when it's revealed that she's a little girl mm -hmm. again. And the first time it happens, you're kind of taken off your feet. Like, wait, what? And then the second time you're like, oh no. Like, it's just engaging. Mm -hmm. Yeah, incredibly. Like, I can so easily see why this is best picture mm -hmm. winner. I definitely agree. So, I guess that brings us to the final question. Mm -hmm. Is Does this film deserve its status as a classic? And is it worth watching again and again? I, I would say yeah. Um, I think this pretty easily deserves its um, role as a... It's, label as a classic and yeah i i'm already interested in watching it again i mean i feel like the more times you watch it the more you can pick up on things and that sounds so cliche because like obviously every film you watch you're gonna notice more things um whenever you watch it for a second time but there's just so much that you can dissect here and so many little hints that are probably scattered throughout the entire thing that you don't quite notice on a first watch that you can like see more easily on a second one and even on a third watch you can notice more things and i think yeah i think this is a a, a really good film i think it's very well deserved of its classic status i'm gonna second that um I mean, sometimes you hear like, oh, this is a classic film you have to watch. And you're like kind of skeptical. I went into this mm -hmm. skeptical. I didn't know how it would go. And for the first like 20 minutes, I was like, yeah, this seems like pretty standard fare. But once key pieces start coming in, once it really gets to sink into your mind and mess with you, mm -hmm. I, I, is when it just clicks. It's like, oh, man, like this is my type of movie. And I really appreciate it. I'm glad it is a Best Picture winner. Mm -hmm. I'm glad this is what we remember Anthony Hopkins' best performance yeah. for. Because it is haunting. The final shots of this movie being him walking into a crowd, mm -hmm. stalking his nemesis doctor, mm -hmm. is like, oh, and once he kills him, he's back to being a serial killer. Oh, crap. He's with all of us mm -hmm. now. Like that. I'm like, this is like exactly the type of movie that would earn that status yeah. but would i watch it again this is a very different question because there are movies that i feel like you watch once and you're like this is really good i would never watch mm -hmm. it again yeah because it's just too much yep. and i kind of had that feeling going into this i bought the 4k disc and i was like i'm kind of scared i'm just doing a one and done mm -hmm. because you hear so much about this it's such a, a pop culture phenomenon of being like terrifying and haunting and I'm like, is this going to be like a come and see a film that you watch once and are like, it's really good. Or a Grave of the Fireflies. It's yeah. really good. You'll never be able to yeah. watch it again because it'll emotionally eviscerate mm -hmm. you. And it didn't. And, you know, I really should have seen it coming. It's a police procedural thriller. It's my favorite serial, serial killer dramas. I'll watch them mm -hmm. all the time. I saw Girl with the Dragon Tattoo like five times in the first week when I watched that mm -hmm. movie. Because it's just that, like, that good subjective opinion please don't come at me i it's it's a fincher film i really like and it's long and has a lot going on and i'm like this is a movie that's two hours long which is insanely like well done and yet it's scary but not so much so that i'd never be able to watch mm -hmm. it again 
I just, yeah, if, if to anyone who's listening to this, if you like have watched the science of the lambs, like five, 10 years ago, maybe even a year ago. And you're like, is it as good as I think it is? Give it a rewatch. Cause I'm pretty sure it'll be just as good, if not better. And you'll notice so many things yeah. about it. I mean, I think this is one that will only get better upon my second rewatch. I feel like there was a lot that I wasn't quite fully invested in, in that first one, in that first watch, but um, I think it'll definitely go up on my second. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Tyler, yeah. for coming on. Well, thank for you for me. opening my eyes, for letting me cross an air movie off my blind yeah. spot, because this was a joy. Yeah. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. And I'm glad to start a podcast series off on a good foot, because, man, I was scared that I wouldn't like it and be like, this is the death of the podcast. I'm going to watch <laughs> movies that everyone says is good and be like, actually, it's yep. bad. <laughs> Got them. Yep. But yeah, this was yep. really good. I agree. And a good conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, please tell the people, where can they find you? Where can they find your works? Where can they find your Twitter yeah. handle? Uh, you can find me online at on Twitter at TylerJohn7. That's T-Y-L-E-R-J-O-N and the number seven. Um, and I write for film uh, in session film. You can find my reviews there. Um, I also write for Cinefied. You can find my reviews there as well. Um, I also have a podcast that I have not been able to upload that much recently. Um, it is called Keyframe Reframe. We've talked about animated TV shows like Avatar The Last Airbender, Over the Garden Wall, and She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Um, and that's wherever you can find podcasts. All right. Wonderful. And you're listening to the Blind Spot Film Podcast. Uh, you can find us over on Twitter at Spot Film Pod. Uh, you can find me, Benjamin Weeb, the host at Ninja, Neb, uh, Ninja underscore Neb on Twitter. I also write for Incession Film and Cinefied. And you'll be able to see my reviews of Pearl and The Woman King dropping on Incession Film in a few days. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Enjoy your day. Stay safe out there. <laughs>